Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the Get Your Bell Rung football podcast. He is Kevin Reynolds. I am Bobby Wall, and we are here to talk all things football and hit you with some takes that might rattle you up a bit. On tonight's show, we will start looking into some of our favorite draft strategies. Kevin might not know this because he doesn't look at the show notes, um, but he does at least know that we are going to dissect the NFC East this evening. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. How are you doing? I, dude, I am great. Did you know we we're going to talk about draft strategies? No. Okay, didn't think so. Uh, so go ahead and start thinking some up. Um, I got two things. Number one, uh, there's something about this show that I don't like. Is it yourself? Because there are two things like about, about this show that I don't like. <laughs> I don't like that it's once a week because when I get in here and like all week long, I'm thinking about stuff. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm doing research. I have a lot more to say than just one hour's worth of content a week. Now, there's not a whole lot we could do about that. I'm not sure how much more people want to hear our voices, but I love it. And uh, I just, an hour out of the week is not enough for me. Um, I don't really know how to uh, to go at that. This time of year, an hour is pretty good for me. Not that I don't want to talk more about football and discuss it. And I just have very little time. So I do my thing here. And we try to, to get as much out as we can in our hour. But yes, you and I talk about football a lot every month of the year, except for June, July, August, because it, it's, Correct. A little, it's a little hectic for me. I also don't know what to do when the intro music is playing. I mean, it's a lot easier. Ricky Bobby. I, well, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Maybe I have to go to, maybe that'll be my go-to because I, I don't know. Am I supposed to dance? Am I supposed to bang my head? I, mean, I don't know what to do. Sit here. There, there's one of the my students, a girl. She's a she's an eighth grader. I told her she needs to watch Talladega Nights because when she That's hits, cool. she always takes her hand and sort of like she never knows where to put her other hand. So instead of like leading with her hand, like we would do with any kind of striking movement or throwing, we lead with our opposite hand. It's just sort of there. So I told her she needs to watch Talladega Nights because it's a because I told her just you know you could just even start doing this. Like, I don't know what to do That's with true. my hands. Probably a solid coaching move on your part. Her parents will be be appreciate that. It's a fine movie, Ricky Bobby. I mean, shaking that's bake. Uh, that's correct. Um, someone else who's shaking and baking is my man Debo Samuel, buddy. He got paid, and I love it. I know we have um, a big time listener on the show, uh, John McGrogan. Um, he is not a fan of when receivers get paid. He that usually causes him. Uh, to pause and, and lower them in his rankings. However, for me, I'm glad this is done, taken care of out of the way. And also the incentives in his contract, he gets paid extra. Uh, I think it's if every year that he reaches, I think, 350 rushing yards uh, and so many rushing touchdowns, I think he gets bonuses and right. they're fairly significant. So I love it, man. This is, this is ideal for me. And especially in my, uh, league of record. He is my keeper this year. I'm pretty sure it's going to be him. So I'm loving everything about this Debo Debo deal. Yeah, I saw he uh, mentioned that he all these rumors have been swirling for months around him that he didn't want to be used that way anymore. We're all false bullcrap. Uh, 
that he is fine with however they want to use him. But unfortunately, some people have him on record that, uh, you know, he did say these things. He even tweeted about it at one point. So whatever. He's just putting that back in the bag and moving on. Nelly has his money. The ridiculous contract, because he earned that. But Deontay Johnson, yeah. I mean, are you for real that they gave him that much money? Third drops I think that, a lot. I think they felt backed into a corner because he was doing his old hold-in thing. And if he didn't get paid, he wasn't going to play, I guess. So they were just like, fine, okay. we'll, we'll give you a, like two years and, and you know, $27 million guaranteed or whatever it was. I, I don't know. They just needed him to play, I guess. And that was the only way to do it. I guess they really need somebody to drop passes. I mean, he he's been productive. I mean, he was uh, big. Well, you get nineteen guy. targets a game. Of course, you're going to yeah. throw up some numbers. But are sure. they really going to do that? I mean, that's he's the only guy Ben would throw to. I did, it's just mind boggling. The Steelers don't usually uh, bow down to that kind of pressure. I was just sort of surprised yeah. they did. So yeah, maybe I, they did something we don't. Uh, very true, and I and I agree. I wouldn't have paid him that, but whatever. Uh, the and then the other thing I want to touch on with the Miami Dolphins got busted. For tampering, they lose a first-round pick in 2023. They lose a third-round pick in 2024. And that's basically because in 2019, when Tom Brady was with the Patriots, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, tried to get him on Miami's team and then tried again in 2020. And then tried again in 2021 when he was with the Buccaneers. He also tried to get Sean Payton to come coach for him when Payton was still on a contract with the Saints. This dude is acting like there are no rules and he it is the wild west and he, they they deserve oh he also got fined a million and a half dollars can't attend any meetings till mid october or something they 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 brought the hammer down and they should have i thought it was a brilliant way for them to change the whole narrative and get people talking about something other than Say it. Yes. I knew I could make you say it. <laughs> uh, so obviously no one knows this, but before we got on the show, when, when it was off air, I told Kevin that I was not going to say the name Deshaun Watson because I'm tired of talking about it, but he was able to make it happen. So, yeah, so good for you, Kevin. Talk about it more, but the NFL is just so freaking wishy-washy with what they find, what they don't. Every team in the league tampers. I, it's just whatever. And we're like, I don't even care. Fine, Can I tell you what I think? Draft pick. They'll trade a player and get 13 number ones for them anyway. So it's all just sort of silliness. And just like said, something to fill the air. So there's something to talk about in the NFL. So for me, honestly, this feels like they looked into this because they said they found this when they were, um, looking up the Brian Flores stuff and was he, is there a racial bias in hiring coaches and firing coaches? And was he paid to lose games and this and that? And they came out, well, apparently someone did say, well, yeah, you know, we give you a hundred thousand dollars for every game you lose, but it was supposed to be taken in jest. Like it was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. This has a feel to me where Goodell called his buddy, Stephen Ross and was like, look, you're guilty of all of this. What we should do is kick you out of the league. You can no longer own the Dolphins, force you to sell. However, since you're my guy, how about instead we catch you on tampering rather than 
you know, the, the big, the big one where you're going to pay your coach to lose. You know what I mean? It's like they took the lesser, even though he was guilty of all of it, yeah. they don't want it to come out that way. So they take the lesser penalty and nail him for that. Yeah, That's, that, has all, that has the feel for me. Right. Slap on the wrist. Take one for the team for us here, buddy. We're taking some PR hits here. Take one on the team. Take one on the wrist for everybody. Uh, and uh, here we go. We, we'll let you off with all the other stuff. Just just do this little thing. You get a little fine. A couple things that aren't even going to really matter. But it'll take the heat off of us on some other things. And we'll all move on. 100%. It's hard to get them to sell a team. Some like 24 of the 32 teams have to agree to force an owner. And even then they have recourse from, from that. Yeah, but it's not, but Goodell, it out, Goodell it, can't do it. He's been very clear. He can't, he told Congress like a month ago, I can't make anybody sell their team. They're my bosses. I can't go just, on Daniel Snyder. Yeah. But if, you know, I'm just saying that when he was testifying about that, I'm not, I don't want to get all into him and saying, if, it's not as easy as Goodell saying, you got to sell your team now. Cause I don't like, he can't legally do that. That's not in his power. Right. But if, it came out and it's like, yeah, Ross was paying his coach yeah. to lose games. He could recommend it. for the other NFL teams would vote him out. Most likely, most likely, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. They should, and they should. Yeah, they should. All right. So normally we do a listener question, so and and we're kind of doing a spin on that, but uh, we are entering. It is August, so we're entering draft season. Obviously, some people the the crazy the crazy nuts they draft all the time. But really, draft season starts in August for most. And rather than answer one listener question like we we have before, we're going to go into some draft strategies. I've had, I've had a couple of listeners ask about what are some of our favorite draft strategies. And I thought we'd go over a couple each week throughout the month of August to help our folks out. And since you, um, as known by all, do not look at the show notes, you do not know this was coming. So I'll go over one of mine. And that is to go into every draft with a plan, but write that plan in pencil. You have to adapt to the draft. You have to be able to break that eraser out and say, this is what I wanted to do. However, not going to be able to do it. You have to have a backup plan for your backup plan. So like if, if you want Josh Allen in the second, and if that doesn't work out, you want Mahomes in the third, but both of them are gone by the time you come around to, to pick, you can't let it bother. You got to roll with the punches you need to own the draft, not the other way around. And don't be afraid to go completely rogue if you have to. Do you remember, obviously, zero RB strategy is, I wouldn't say it's as big now as it has been the previous years, but 2015, 2016, 2017, it started gaining notoriety, right? That's where you don't yeah. draft the running back in the first couple rounds. It, it was all it, the it rage, was a fact. Yeah. Right. And I feel like I feel like we're kind of getting out of that now. But I have to give a shout out, and I do this every year, uh, for one of my best friends, Dan Coons. He is in my league of record. We've been in it forever. And the year I'm gonna take you all the way back to 2013 before anyone had ever even heard of zero RB. And it was first round, gets to him, he takes Calvin Johnson. Okay, no big deal. But back, if you think 2013, you're taking one or two running backs in the first two rounds, and that's everybody. Comes around the second round, he takes A.J. Green. 
our, the draft room erupted because we were all there live draft. We try to do it every year. And it was like, what is this guy doing? He doesn't have a single running back. Most of the teams have two. Third round comes around. He does take Frank Gore. Fourth round, Peyton Manning. And it is just, this guy is a moron. What is he doing? Because now, Grant, he took a running back in round three, but only one in his first four picks. That was unheard of back then. We're talking almost a decade ago, right? He ended up finishing third that league or in the league that year. So going rogue for him and uh, doing zero, technically zero RB before it was cool, it worked out for him. So don't be afraid to do that if that's what the draft gives you. I think the problem with zero RB is that's the anomaly. That's the exception to the rule. Nobody talks about the guy, the other five guys who did it and came in the last right. five spots in the league because over and over teams right. you get screwed with that strategy. Only people only ever talk about the successful ones. Well, if there's one successful one for the 19 crap drafts, well, that it's not it wasn't really that successful at all. But yeah, there's always the anomaly. You might get to find somebody lucky on waivers, this, that, the other. Or uh, my buddy George has been doing this strategy since what, the mid 90s when we were doing fantasy. Um, George recently retired from fantasy sports because they were driving him insane. And I think I told you he retired from all leagues, all sports. I get it. Um, He's really done. He wrote this really long, well, well wrote uh, thing out to me and a couple other commissioners and it made perfect sense. All I said was good luck in your retirement because I was like, God, I wish I could join him. But that's besides the point. That's besides what he would do it. He would take like six of his first seven guys would all be big time, big wire receiver that was still left and was convinced that it would be just great draft bait. Sometimes yes, sometimes not. Uh, worked out some form. Other times you just got killed. So I, I'm not big on zero RB, but you're right. If, if it let the chips fall where they may, sometimes it just sort of happens. Right. What, you, do you have one? Have you had time to think of one since this was a big surprise for you? Well, see, I don't really think of draft strategies per se because I need to think of the teams or, or the the form of the league. How many teams? Like say zero RB and say like my league of record even though you don't draft, it's auction. If you don't get – there's 16 teams. If you're in a 16-team league and you go zero RB, you are, you're done. You might as well just be – because we all love donators. Just call yourself a donator. Say, here's my money. I'm not even going to run my team. You guys run it for me the rest of the year because I don't have a chance. So um, there's your strategy. If you're in a larger league, make sure you, you nab some it. running backs you because the, the pool is shallower. You have to have one. Because to say if there's only 32 starters in the league, and there's other guys, of course, obviously get some points, your hunts and those. But man, if 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 your number one back isn't even a starter in the league, you're going to be in trouble for the whole season. And of course, that matters too. Like like say my league, you have to play uh, one running back, at least one running back and two receivers, and then you have two flex spots. So you can play one running back and four receivers each week, and so, so that's, and then when you think of that, that's even more though that you could go zero because you only have to play one running back. So you could potentially wait till the third or fourth round, get that one running back, you're going to play two, and then stack up on wide receivers. It matters too if it's half point PPR, full point or no point. Those things matter. There's just strategies have to be so fluid based on the parameters of your league. Do you actually write down a strategy? You, you said write it in pencil. Was that more of just the figurative or you mean literally you, you write it? Because some people do. 
There's some people oh, no, that have whole list. And listen, man, if I actually had to write down my plan, like physically yeah. write it down by now, I shouldn't be talking on this microphone right now. Uh, no, some people it, do. A lot of people do. It's the only way they can keep it straight and keep and an that's idea. Fine. Especially as a doing. beginner, please. If that helps you, yeah. do it. Do whatever helps you. So the great then, thing my, about a redraft league is your turn only comes up every so often. Say like snake, my league snake of record draft. being an endless. Oh yeah, snake. Yeah, snake or straight up just an actual drafting league. Where my auction league, you got to be on the edge of your seat for every mm-hmm. single pick, or some guy might have just went and you didn't even realize it happened. Because you you could potentially get four players in a row, spend your whole wad, and then you sit there for five hours because you don't have any money to bid with. Um, you're not uh, you're not just getting up in the middle of an auction draft to uh, grab a bite to eat no, or grab a drink. Absolutely not, because you you go back and they're just when you're handcuffed, never even had a shot at them. And then my other strategy, I said uh, for this show, and we'll do a couple in, in our next few episodes, but uh, know your league mates, know who they are, and obviously if you're you know first time in league, that's not going to happen, but once you get in trenched in a league, do they take running backs early? Like, like my home league does. You got to know that do lots of guys. Like you said, do lots of guys like zero RB Are five guys in your league going to go after zero RB. If it is stack those running backs early, you know, if there's zigging, you need to zag yeah. quarterbacks. Are they going early? If they are, then wait, or are they going late? Are you sitting there in the seventh, eighth round? Lamar Jackson staring at you in the face, scoop him up. I got, you know, I got, like I said, uh, I think in our last draft or or our last episode, or maybe when I did the mock draft episode, I got two or three guys in the league that they're going to take two, maybe even three tight ends. If I know that and I don't get one early, then that's it, man. I'm punting a position and I'm waiting till like the last bit. So know your league mates. Yeah. I, I love draft day. It's one of the more exciting awesome. days of the year. It's like Christmas. Well, we're like more Christmas Eve. Uh I do love, but one thing I love about the once and done is not having to have a draft. Interesting. It is. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's just different. you don't have to have a draft. You just have your team, you whatever have you want to do all year long, and everyone. It's it's just sort of refreshing to not have to put five six hours of my day into a draft. But I, I do love that. draft day. Draft day is all, especially when you get some of the boys over. You're all there on your pews. Everybody else is on a big Zoom meeting or conference call. Yeah. And, not like it was when we were younger where everybody all gets together and chugging beers and having a good time, but it's still fun. Lots of fun. Actually, um, we do my league record. We try to do um, like uh, drafts in different places. Right. So two years ago, we did it on a boat. Um, last year we did it in Baltimore. A lot of guys are from Maryland. This year we're doing it at a beach in North Carolina. So a little more local for me. Um, and I, I love that too, man. Destination drafts there. Uh, that's where it's at. Yeah. I wish we still could in our league, but man, right. 16 guys, it's all tough. The in older their you late thirties to late forties kids, uh, are, we're separated by many, many hundreds of miles. It's just, it's hard enough to well, even yeah. get all 16 at a certain time online, <laughs> let alone meeting in person. But man, I sure, I wish we could, it'd be really cool to, to do one. We got, last we got a guy time. flying in from Seattle, another guy flying in from Dallas. So it's wild. Yeah, that's cool. All right, sir. NFC East. We're going to start with your Super Bowl champion prediction, the Dallas Cowboys. They are plus 1800. Last year, they're 12 and five and the champs of the NFC East. They were the number one team in scoring offense, second in passing, ninth in rushing. They're the number seventh defense. They were 20th in passing. 16th in rushing defense. 
Some big losses for them, Leal Collins, Connor Williams along the offensive line. They also trade away Amari Cooper. And now Michael Gallup and James Washington are both hurt in the wide receiver room, and they lost Randy Gregory on defense. They did gain Tyler Smith along the O-line and Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver in the draft. Smith, he's raw. He's prone to a lot of penalties. He's nasty. We'll see how quickly he can uh, get acclimated to the NFL game. And Tolbert, man, he's going to be thrust right into playing time right now. He's the wide receiver, too, on that team. They have CeeDee Lamb, and then they have Jalen Tolbert. And that's it, man. Gallup. He's uninspiring. Agreed. But I, I just don't I just don't think that losing only Cooper is going to just decimate their offense. I don't think they'll be number one in the league, but I still think they'll be solid. Dak's too good. It'll definitely be top ten for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not real real. They're gonna be strong. I think they'll probably go like eleven and six. Eagles will probably go round ten and seven. They'll both get in the playoffs and the Cowboys will beat your Chargers in the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, I was with you until then. Uh, a team that is most likely not going to make the playoffs of the New York Giants. They are plus 13,000 for a Super Bowl title. They were 4-13 and 13 last year, fourth in the NFC East. Their offense was 31st last year, and they were 23rd in defense. And honestly, they really weren't good anywhere on either side of the ball. They were first in turnover percentage, so at least they were first in something. <laughs> You may not want to lead that category, but, you know, you at least got a trophy. And it's tough. You got Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. And, ugh, I, oh man, I, I have no idea how the Morris thought that was a, a solid hiring. But they did. They added Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau in the draft. They got Mark Lewinsky to help with that offensive line, a much improved offensive line. And obviously the two biggest additions are Brian Dable, who we know from his time in Buffalo and what he did there with their offense. And their offensive coordinators, Mike Kafka, he's an Andy Reid disciple. So you got to feel good if you're a Giants fan having those two guys calling the shots. The problem is the team's pretty much the same as it was last year, except for a couple of rookies. So maybe the most overpaid team in NFL history last year for what they were paid, for what they produced. Do you remember those numbers for the wide receivers? I know you I said it was. But they were the, well, high, they're the highest paid receiver right. core in, in the league. And Maybe not now had, with all these trades and re-signings and all that their, stuff. But. Their receivers, I do remember their wide receivers as a group had five touchdowns on the entire season. And Kenny Galladay had a grand total of zero of them. I saw him catch one in a camp today on Twitter, so that's good. Yeah, but that's that's not not quite the same, is it, brother? <laughs> that is, that's not <laughs> – <laughs> no, dude, that the thing is, these guys, they got nowhere to go but up. I don't think they've gotten worse. So, so you never know. Maybe they'll come in there, a whole new regime, a new style. Maybe they can get Daniel Jones to at least be serviceable. You've got some weapons, but they're always hurt. Uh, they look just completely discombobulated last year. They're in a division that the teams aren't super, super strong. I guess, I guess you never know. But, yeah, th these guys, I, I don't see them making much noise. Agreed. Uh, then we move on to my Eagles. They are plus 2,500 for the Super Bowl, 9-8 and eight last year. They made the wild card. They got spanked by the Buccaneers. 12th scoring offense, 18th in defense. They were last in the league in pass attempts, second in rushing attempts, but first in rushing yards. As far as losses go, there's really no, no one of consequence that popped out to me uh, as far as who they lost, but they have a ton of additions 
them and the Chargers, I'd say, have the most additions in the offseason as far as impactful positions. They get A.J. Brown. They get Cam Jurgens, who's going to – obviously, you're going to have injuries along your offensive line. He's going to be able to fill in there, rookie, and probably be the starter next year at center. They grab Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean on defense in the draft. They signed pass rusher uh, Hassan Reddick from the Panthers, who had double digits of sacks last year. James Bradbury, one of the better corners in the league. And, man, there's a lot of excitement going on here in Philly, uh, it, at least for me. They began the, last year throwing the ball and losing. They were 2-5. and five, And then they – and this is a hats off to Nick Sirianni because we talk all the time about coaches are way too stubborn to change their ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he stepped back and was like, 2-5, and five, this is not working out. So they change it and they started running the ball. They and they finished the year seven and three. They also have PFF's number one offensive line. So there are a, a lot of good signs for this Eagles team this year. I agree. I think I sort of talked you into into him, Siriana, Siriano, Siriani, Siriana. Siriana. Uh, you you weren't fond of him at one point, and I and I told you about mid you know, later in the season. I was like. Dude, but he did the one thing that NFL coaches never do. He swallowed his pride, put his ego aside, changed everything, and now they're winning. So that's all you can ask for in a coach. If things are going great, please don't change. If things aren't going great, please change. And he was willing to do that. And and took, whereas so many coaches want to make their players bend to their style, he said, no, I'm going to bend to your style. I'm going to put you in the best position to win. And I guarantee you still – I'm with you on these guys. If I'm, it's the biggest cliche in sports. But if I'm on any other uh, NFC team, I do not want to play these guys in the playoffs. Sirianni for me was just uninspiring at the higher. But you're 100 right. When when you're able to adapt and modify your coaching strategies and, and what you're putting out there each and every week, your schemes and all that stuff. Hats off to you, sir. Well done. He changed the whole thing, the whole mindset yeah. of it. It's Everything, like he yep. flipped the switch, and and they're buying in. Didn't lose, and man, boy, they got some weapons. They have this team, like I said, I flip flop back and forth with them in Dallas. I still think Dallas will barely win the division, and I don't really think the Cowboys will win this year. Well, that was our bold, bold, I know. You know, our bold predictions. But yeah, I, I don't. This is not a team I want to see in, in January. And certainly That's not in, not in Philly, but cold people throwing batteries at you. I don't okay, want any of that. Right. That was once, maybe twice. Uh, the Commanders, Washington, they are plus seven thousand. They were seven and ten last year, third in the division. Uh, they were twenty third in offense, twenty fifth in defense. I have no qualms with the offense finishing twenty third. That that makes sense, especially with your issues at quarterback. But the defense. If you wow. remember, they were supposed to be one of the best defenses in the Underperformers. league. Underperformers, ridiculous. Injuries played a part, but right out of the gate, they were two and six, and the defense wasn't doing it even when they were healthy. They lost Brandon Scherf, which was this is big time. He is one of the best guards in the league. He is now at Jacksonville. They did add, obviously, Wentz. So as uninspiring as Wentz is, he is better than what they had. And they added Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson in the draft. They should both make an impact this year. It'll be interesting to see if they are top 12 in rushing attempts now that they have a quarterback who can throw the ball. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. (laughs) It's funny that you said Wentz is better than what they had, yet 
the odds makers of the world don't feel that way because about an hour after they signed him, their odds of winning yeah. the Super Bowl got worse. <laughs> I think that's because so they weren't just sure. Speaking for yourself, there, Mister Wah. <laughs> I think it's because they weren't sure who the quarterback was going to be, and then they figured out who it was. And no, that's uh, that's not great. Yeah, but he, he, look, not, yeah. these guys will win a couple games. They shouldn't. They'll probably win like five games, maybe a sixth one. Uh, I mean, I really like Taylor Heineke. I like the story. Old Dominion University, all that stuff. But Wentz is better than him. They're two over down. They don't utilize the best weapon they have on the team, Gibson. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. It's yeah. I'm just saying. We're talking. About, I mean, and I know they've changed. You're right. Trying to change the culture there. Ron Rivera's the man. But just so such a poorly run organization for so long. It's it's like they they just can't get out of their own way. It's. I saw this is man. This is way back. 2010 maybe i was at a game and i saw a guy with a shirt on and this wasn't maybe it was before 2010 i don't remember seeing it often but this guy had a jersey on and on the back he had sewn on fire snyder and i it was the first time i'd seen that and i thought that was great because i was like, you know what he really is the problem and you can't fire the owner but uh i saw that at a game at a redskins game and i thought man this is your own your own fan base wants to fire you. And this is more than a decade ago. So yeah, he, he's just, he's just the worst. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any other owner in any other professional sport that you could really even compare him to. He's just, and Rough. it turns out now he's not just an awful owner. He's seems as though he's pretty awful human being. So it does appear that way. Uh, let's move on to the quarterbacks here. We'll start with Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, a guy that you and I both like. He was last year's QB7, QB8 in points per game, almost 4,500 yards and 37 touchdowns. He's actually never been lower than QB11 in his career, not counting 2020 when he was hurt. 2019, he was QB2, so he got that high. Uh, he And he is going to have to shoulder the load this year. They lost Amari Cooper. Their O-line is worse. So a lot of it's going to fall on him. And it's the Cowboys, both in real life and in fantasy, they're, they're going to rise or fall with him, I think. And the Cowboys play fast. They were second pace of play last year, which is good. Gives everyone more opportunities. Dak was number one in red zone accuracy. So that dude is money when it counts. And that's a tough place to be accurate in. His first four years, he never had less than 277 rushing yards. He also had 21 total rushing touchdowns. He got hurt in 2020. Obviously, that was down. He didn't rush that much last year. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got back up to the 250 rushing yards, maybe three or four rushing touchdowns, and that would that would really boost him. I actually have him as my QB five right now, above Joe Burrow, um, above some other guys that uh, that consensus tells me he shouldn't be in front of. Yeah, he's a beast. I love Dak. Always have he. Yeah, I can slang it. There's not a lot to say about the guy. The, the stats speak for themselves. The wins speak for themselves. You're right. Maybe now it's going to fall a little bit more on him. But from a fantasy perspective, sometimes that's a great thing. Just sure. rack up some more stats. Might not lead to Aaron more Rogers. wins, but I don't. we don't get any points for wins in any leagues I'm in. So, uh, yeah, that, that, so, that I, has to go early. Rodgers did it for years with a good running game and Devontae Adams. Well, Dak's got a decent running game, and he's got CeeDee Lamb. So we're going to see. 
hopefully they'll use CD Lamb more. I we were both last year very disappointed about how little they utilized him, and and when they did, it was just silly stuff that he had no real chance. Yeah, I, I expect a big jump for him. I'm gonna probably ring some bells when we talk about him. But uh, first, we gotta get to Daniel Jones and. As excited as we are about Dak, it is really tough to get excited about Daniel Jones. He misses Next. games every year. <laughs> 220 passing yards a game, 63% completion percent. He had he had 10 touchdowns in 11 games last year. He had 11 in 14 games in 2020. Uh, he, he has hypothetical rushing upside. He can run. I watched him run like 80 yeah. yards before he tripped and fell on his face. He has he does right now have the most weapons he's had. He's got and he also has great coaching. If it doesn't happen this year, man, he, they that's it. Yeah, he's got to move go. on. Yeah, th- this yeah they're they this is it. They'll, they'll have to pull the ripcord after the season if he can't Im- improve. Not just improve a little. He's got to really significantly say to them like I'm the future of this team or going. I mean, he's going right now. Twenty seventh quarterbacks: Wentz, Mayfield, Zach Wilson, all going ahead of him. You know, yeah, that's tough. He's a watch him play. You can't have ten touchdowns in eleven games. People want you to be on their team. No, and and they had a lot of injuries, and those receivers were awful even when they were on the field. It wasn't all him, but still, I, I, you have to just hope this new regime will help him. And if it doesn't, then have fun carrying a clipboard the rest of your life and get paid a few million a year for it. I think they will. I think they will come in and, and help him out, but. I don't know. It's fun. I, you you told me is what QB twenty seven. Yeah. I thought you know what I, I have him higher than that. Let me check. That's QB twenty six. So yeah. I'm I'm right about there with consensus. Go. But the guy that I could not be higher on, literally, because he is my fantasy QB one. There we go. Jalen Hurts. I I can Homer. Wait to talk about this fella. He was QB seven in points per game last year, QB nine overall, but he missed two games. And he did that with only 16 passing touchdowns because he had 784 rushing yards and 10 scores on the ground. He was a QB one 11 times. People were worried about him throwing the ball, but in the beginning of the year when Philly was throwing a ton, he was QB six, 10, 10, four, seven, five, and six. He's good no matter what offense the Eagles want to run. And if you look at he, he was number one in the league in fantasy points per dropback. He was third in air yards per attempt. So he's throwing the ball downfield and he was 12th in red zone completion percentage. So he, him along with Dak, they're both pretty good when it counts rushing quarterbacks. He was top two in just about everything. He is the goal line back for the Eagles. It's not Miles Sanders. It's not anybody else. It's him. And then I'm going to bring this back up. If we look at Josh Allen broke out in year three, year two stats, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, 432 attempts, 461. 61% completion percentage for Jalen Hurts, 59 for Allen. Advantage Hurts, 3,144 passing yards for Hurts, 3,089 for Allen. Advantage Hurts. 16 touchdowns to 20 touchdowns. Advantage Allen. QBR 48.5 to 49.5. Advantage Allen. Hurts had better rushing stats. The 
Bills got Allen Stephon Diggs. The Eagles get Hurts, A.J. Brown. Wheels up, buddy. Let's go. Jalen Hurts, QB1. It's just at times torture to listen to you. But I, I, I suck it up for whatever reason for an hour a week. I have to wonder if you'd be as high on if he played on any other team, if this is just Absolutely. wishful thinking or not. But when we as went, when we did our quarterback show a couple months ago, I thought I was ringing bells when I put him at my number four. But no, Sir Robert Lewis Wall Esquire has to roll in and put him number one and just keep on, keep on with him the whole summer. And I have to listen to a million stats skewed in his direction. The guy's going to be a beast. I'd love to have him on my team. Somebody's probably going to overpay for him in my league because I'm pretty sure he's a free agent and uh, more power to them. I would like to see them not put him in so many situations where he's going to get popped because it's a little different than what the Ravens do with, with L. Jacks. Hertz was really taking some big hits last year. Um, but I think Brian adding AJ Brown certainly is going to hurt his stat line. I'm I'm definitely dying on this hill. So so I'm where where this. okay say since you're a lot higher on than others, you know he's not going to go in like the first three rounds in your league of rare. Where where would you where would be the earliest? And and you can even throw in the fact because I don't care what anybody says. We do this to win, but we also do it to en- enjoy the game. So when you're in between two guys, you're taking the guy you want to root for that maybe plays for your favorite team when you're sort of stuck between guys. Um, so so where would you take him, even with that in mind, the fact that, like, you're, you know, he's your guy. He's an Eagles quarterback. Where, what's the I earliest would, you'd say, like, man, he's still sitting here. I've got to take him here. I would – he's an auto pick for me in the seventh. I would – I might go in the sixth. I'm not taking him earlier than that because, okay. as we mentioned, he is a quarterback. And if I have yeah. to pick between Hertz in the fifth or Russell Wilson in the tenth, I'll take Russell Wilson in the tenth. You're mid sixth right now. Yeah, and and where we are, by the time the season starts, he's going to be going in the beginning of the sixth or the back half of the fifth, yeah. and I'm just not going to be able to. I'm I'm not going to be able to pull the trigger there. Okay, I just thought I'd ask. Just wonder what you thought. I know you do think he's it's, going to be your number one guy. So I do. so sometimes if you really truly feel that. Obviously, that's not going to make you take him in the third round. But knowing the value that you think you're getting, sometimes you don't want to miss out on not getting the guy that you are pretty sure is going to be number one. This wasn't like your bold prediction. This was our quarterback rankings. Correct. Um, Correct. That you would maybe jump up to that fifth. because This guy's going to be number one. I'm not taking the chance of of not getting him in the sixth or seventh. I'm going to jump up because if he's one and you're getting him in the fifth round, you still got some ridiculous freaking value. Yeah, well, same story with Josh Allen. He was my QB one last year. I wasn't taking him in the first right. four or five rounds. So, okay. and so he obviously he won't end up on many of my teams. And another guy that won't end up probably on. Uh, actually, I can tell you right now, he won't Anybody's end up on teams. a single <laughs> team that I have. I don't. I don't care if I'm in a twenty team QB only league. I am not taking Carson Wentz. He was QB thirteen last year. But he's QB eighteen in points per game behind. Fellow NFC Easter, Danny Dobbs, Daniel Jones. Here's the deal, folks. If Howie Roseman and the Eagles are willing to trade you a quarterback, don't 
do it. It has never worked out since Howie Roseman took over. If you if he tries to give you a quarterback, don't take it. Colts, don't take it. Yeah. Well, they did it because don't they take him there. from the Colts. And, and, Reich was there when he had his golden year or two, so he he thought maybe he could be the quarterback whisperer for him again, but it didn't work. Let me ask this. Even when he was really good with Eagles, was there ever a time where you were fond of him, or did you even hate him then? Never once. I thought for a brief moment that maybe I was wrong, but I was never fond of him. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because these NFL teams have been chasing this, and these analysts mm-hmm. have been chasing this anomaly 2017 season where he threw 33 touchdown passes he still only completed 60 percent of his passes that year it's not like he was tearing it up all over the field yeah he was scoring touchdowns he was the mvp front runner until i'm not saying his stat line was perfect but the dude you got to give him a little credit the dude was playing some pretty good football absolutely his touchdown percentage was seven and a half that's 2% higher than his second best season yeah. and 3% higher than his career average. It was an anomaly. It was, it's, it's not going to happen again. That's not yeah. who he is. It's who he was once. Right. Let me ask you this. How much of this do you like put on blame on Megan Markle? Okay. The joke. <laughs> I, I, it's so interesting <laughs> because you do this Prince Harry joke, even though I don't, I'm not a, I'm not fond of ones, but you think it's hilarious because you think they look alike. So you throw out the uh, Meghan Markle joke and we do it. This is at least the second time you've done the show and you do it weekly off air. Yeah. I said, you like during the season, like he'll throw like four picks and I'll send you a picture of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle at their way. <laughs> it's such an odd thing that you do. I, it's very, oh, I it's very, a, very, strange. I get such a kick out of it. Well, one thing that the Prince does do well is he was sixth in deep ball completion percentage and ninth in QBR. But this is what gets me. He was 30th in clean pocket completion percentage. The dude couldn't complete passes when he was just standing there and had all the time in the world. We talked about how how good Michael Pittman was at getting open when still couldn't get it to him. He only had three top 10 QB finishes. I mean – I just not a chance. I wonder if he would have left Indy if he hadn't completely blown that last game and completely choked the playoffs away to the Jags of all people. If he'd maybe still be there, maybe the ship had already sailed. Tough I don't to know. Bring him after that, that certainly didn't help. Well, well, there were. I mean, there were rumblings about how terrible he is in the locker room when he was in Philly. Yeah. So I don't know why people thought that would change when he goes to Indy. But there are rumblings of that, how he's not good with coaching, and he didn't even – I can't remember if it was at Philly, with Philly or if it was with Indy, but he didn't talk to the offensive coordinator, the QB coach, for like two weeks. That like, not Philly. a word. Yeah, that was it's Philly. just – it's an odd thing, man. And uh, it would be tough to bring him back after that Jacksonville game. If nothing else, your fan base would be livid. They, yeah. The Colts – there's no way the Colts fans wanted him back. No, no, he's awful. I mean – I don't know. It's, it's also yeah. point like, why are we even, why do people even still talk about the guy? That's how awful he is. It's, I hear you. I mean, what's his, what's his ADP right now? He's 26th and 183. Oh, he's, yes. So he's down there. Yeah, he's way down ahead of Daniel Jones. Yeah. Even though he finished behind him in points per game last year. Yeah. All right. 
move on to the running backs. Ezekiel Elliott, the just every year the dude gets it done. He's last year's RB6, even though he played through a PCL injury most of the season. And like Dak, he's never been lower than 11 in fantasy positional finish. Running backs, they all miss games unless you're Zeke. I think outside of his suspension, he's only missed like two games because of injury. He was RB 15 in points per game last year, so that's not great. Uh, but right now he's being drafted as RB 16 behind yep. Cam Akers and in front of James Conner right in the middle of the third round. So he's being drafted about how he per game. And everyone talks about up Tony Pollard, and I'll get to him in a second, but Zeke averages more catches per game than Pollard does. But everyone talks about him like this elite pass catching back to Tony Pollard. Now, it's very slightly, but he still averages more catches per game. He was third in route runs by running back. Um, Zeke was. He was fifth in red zone touches, 12 total touchdowns, and that's it, man. That's where your money is made in fantasy, in the red zone, and he gets the touches. He gets the, he, he sure gets the does. touchdowns. He was only 37th in yards created yeah. per touch. He's 45th in breakaway. He's not going to – Get you a 45-yard touchdown run, but he gets it done every year, he's, always. He's the beneficiary of a very high-powered offense. The thing I don't get with yeah. your things there is I don't consider Pollard a third back. I consider him a true handcuff, the guy who was his backup. But he still doesn't play nearly as much as, as Zeke, so it doesn't really surprise me that Zeke has more catches. Well, I mean, What he's do you think getting- about that? Well, Pollard's getting drafted as RB30. Yeah. No, RB30 now. Oh, he's 32 of mine on the half point. Okay. So, okay, RB32. That's that's a starter. You're starting him in your flex. Yeah. I, I don't want that. Um, Do you want – I mean, he comes in for how many series a game? Now, I agree with you when you say handcuff because if Zeke goes down – I want Pollard, yeah, but I can tell you right now. Instantly. Uh, correct. How many times did we talk last year, you and I, we'd be talking, texting, and we'd be just like, why is Zeke on the field? When Pollard's on the field, he's the most explosive guy on the field. Why do they even play Zeke so much? Is it because Jerry feels he has to get his money's worth? Is it Jerry's ego? What? Because you have to admit, this is like the the, the worst I've ever heard you talk about Pollard, because usually you talk about him with this, this, this shining beacon that isn't getting a chance to shine his light on the league. But now it so, seems like you're down on it for some reason. So Pollard is like is like that girl who's super hot, but has the absolute worst personality and no one can stand to be around her. He was second in yards per touch and sixth in yards created per touch. Third in breakaway run rate. This dude, when he has the ball in his hands, he looks great. The problem is he doesn't get that opportunity. So he looks great, but it's it's an awful situation to be in yeah. because you put him out there and I, I just looked it up. It was something like over half of his games, he got single digit points in fantasy. Man, I can't have that in my flex. Right. Exactly. He is the ultimate what if player, but Zeke won't allow anyone to see what if because he doesn't miss right. games and he soaks up all the important touches. 
He does. And he's definitely he's not, just, he, like I said, he's not a third down back. He's not a McKissick where in any given right. week you can put him in your flex because he might have 13 catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. Pollard is a true backup where every third or fourth series, depending on game flow, he's the guy he's in the game for a whole series. That's the best way to describe him. Accurate. Right there. That's it. I don't know. Well, who do I want there? I mean, I'm thinking I would rather have him in the seventh round than take Zeke in the middle of the third. If I'm getting a guy in the third round that's going to give me double-digit touchdowns, I think I go that route. Maybe I just – it's just so – every year it seems harder and harder to trust that it's going to keep up. I, I feel you. It just hasn't not happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he puts up numbers. Numbers are numbers. Yeah, that's right. I, I know. It's – they're the exact opposite. The one guy looks incredible and doesn't put up numbers. Because the they don't let him play. It's not his awful. fault. Yeah, they he don't let him the, play. I know. I know. Well, one guy that is – absolutely gonna play is Saquon Barkley injuries have been his biggest bugaboo by far he's missed games every year except his rookie season but he is so talented if he can stay on the field especially this year he's got an upgraded offensive line we already talked about the coaching he's got three seasons of over 50 targets the guy doesn't want to come off the field he doesn't have to he has got a three down skill set and if you look at his efficiency numbers from his rookie year when he was healthy he is near the top in almost every single category. He suffered some injuries, and they're freak injuries. Now, we have already talked on the show about a guy that big shouldn't be able to move the way he does, and maybe we his body this. won't be You right. and I, I called know. this before it ever happened. We both prayed to the fantasy gods and the football gods. It wouldn't happen. But we, you and I were talking about this a year before it happened, that this dude, his running style, his speed, his size, his mass, something's got to give. And it sure as heck did. The one the thing I'll say, though, is like that ankle injury, that wasn't his fault. He stepped on a guy's shoe and rolled his ankle, and that screwed a good chunk of his season up. Right now, he's going as RB14, I think, in um, half PPR. I got him at RB10. Yeah, he's the guy in, in my mental uh, list, my mental rankings, is moving up about a spot a week. Yes. Yeah. Because I really, the more I read about anything about that team and their schedule and this mm-hmm. and that, how they want to run their offense through him, the more I'm thinking if he is healthy, he could end up top freaking five. I'm not He's saying I think one he will, in the realm of possibilities. Good, yes, it's yeah, a he was RB two as a rookie. Yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting to see if he can stay on the field because there is nothing behind him. Brady, last year I gambled on him. It obviously didn't pay off. I'm willing to gamble one more time, but this is it, Mr. Barkley. This is it. If yeah, you, yeah, if I gamble on you and you don't do it this year, you're in the doghouse for everybody. The year the injury forever. started, I had I got him in our league for seventy two dollars, which at the time was the single highest any player mm. had ever gone for in our league mm. in their their first year of their contract. Um, and he was great for about five games and then just took the biggest pile of fantasy crap on me that a player could just, it killed me. So then and I think it was the next year, uh, George, again, adding to this, he spends 80 on him, 81 on McCaffrey, and they're both out for the season within a quarter of each other. And guess who his number one receiver was? Cortland Sutton. 
George so went on to, to win the toilet bowl. He won the Sacco in our league. He got his rainbow poop emoji. I suck at fantasy football shirt, which he still proudly wears to dress. But since he's now retired, I assume the shirt is retired as well. But you talk about some bad luck. You had that one season where you had some real crazy crap. But that dude lost Barkley. That's that's it. McCaffrey that's and Sutton within a quarter of each other. That's bad. Real bad. It wasn't um, good for him, but we loved it because watching him lose the rest of the league, we just relished in it. Because he's a, he's that guy that finds all the loopholes. You know, causes trouble. Well, that's what he gets. You got that straight. Poor Miles Sanders. He was last year's RB 45. Huge disappointment, especially from a coming from a team with the most rushing yards in the league. It's yeah. zero touchdowns. That Poor is fella. not is not going to happen again. Boston Scott, the bane of my existence, had seven touchdowns on 87 carries. That's a touchdown every 12 and a half carries. That also is not going to happen again. Sanders is talented. He had he averaged five and a half yards a carry last year. And he's over five yards a carry for his career. He was tied for second last year behind Rashad Penny in yards carry. He, for some reason, they he only averages two catches per game. He's got that skill set. Uh, I think he's got he's suffered some drops in his career, but he he's he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got very little wear and tear on the tires because they only give him 130 carries a year. Or so he was fifth last year in breakaway run rate. He had 15 or more carries four times last year. That resulted in rushing totals of 74, 94, 120, and 131. So if you give this guy 15 carries, he's got just 74 yards at a minimum. Get this guy the ball. What are we doing, Kevin? What are we doing? I don't know. We we, we talked at length about him in one of our episodes. Do you remember which one it was? I don't. And he was my, like, turnaround player of the year because – I just – he's got nowhere to go but up, and the dude's just such a beast. And we would talk about he'd have five carries for 56 yards in the first half, and then he wouldn't touch the ball in the second half. And matter of fact, half the time he'd be over on the sideline with a jacket on. And and we would talk – even in the third quarter, we'd be talking like, what are they doing? Are we are, are the Eagles trying to lose? It just didn't make sense, and it still doesn't. He's got nowhere to go but up. They, they just have to use this dude. I. Mind-boggling that you know why is Boston Scott on the field so much? I, I don't know. And Jordan Howard also. Yeah. Why are they on the field so much? I understand you got to spell the guy. I mean, he came out himself there a few months and told the fantasy world, "Don't put me on your team because they'll never give me the ball." Yeah, it's so sad. I just and feel it's sad. crazy. I mean, he knows he's reality. He's like he knows it that they don't. He doesn't understand it either. His career, he's got over five yards of carry for a career that aren't there aren't a whole lot of running backs that can say that. I guess they don't like first downs in, in Philly. They like to make <laughs> it as difficult as possible. They don't like snapping the yards and getting halfway towards the first down yeah. on one play. It truly doesn't make any sense. Again, one of the most underutilized players in the league. You yeah. keep setting me up with awesome segues. Because you just said one of the most under, underutilized players in the league. And we're going to go right into Antonio Gibson, who's RB12 as a rookie, RB10 last year. But he's RB20 in points per game. It wasn't always pretty, but being a, uh, an RB2, which is so far as points per game go, that's what he was. 
He's never had less than a thousand scrimmage yards in, in his career. He's had double digit touchdowns both years of his career. He was fourth in red zone touches last year, but how many of those red zone touches are going to be siphoned away by the rookie Brian Robinson this year? He was fifth in evaded tackles and eighth in breakaway runs last year, but they lost Brandon Scherf. The line got worse. In the final eight games, he was an RB1 five times, but he was an RB3 or worse eight times throughout the season. Here's the deal. For me and Gibson, if I am taking big swings early in the draft or if I'm going wide receiver heavy, I don't mind getting a little boring with my RB2. That's when I'd be willing to take Gibson. But other than that, I'm probably going to steer clear. I'd be much more comfortable with him as my RB3 than my RB2. But his current price tag, he's RB19 or so. And I just, I'm not going to be able to, to do that. End of the third round. It's funny because he's 19 at 34. And the next is Josh Jacobs, 20 at 42. So eight slots later. Wow. So it's like, that's it's almost like tight, that's the end Waller, of, Kittle. Of, of the real guys people trust. And then it goes down to yep. Josh Jacobs. I don't know. The dude's electric. He looks great on the field. He's played on two horrible freaking teams the last two years. And he still puts up numbers when McKissick went out. Oh, here's this guy. Oh, that's right. He caught about a million passes in college. Maybe we could put him in on third down and watch him light the defense up. But as soon as McKissick came back, boom, back to the bench on third down. Mind-boggling. So weird. I, I, again, I, and, I, don't, I don't understand. I, don't, I wish I had an answer because it doesn't make any sense to me. Best thing that could happen to him, get traded. Probably. There's somewhere with only to a team. So you, yes, that's it. That's the caveat. I mean, if if you if he was not on the on the commanders, you'd sit there and be like, man, I wish they trade for Antonio Gibson. How great would he make that team? Exactly. You know? yeah, and you and I, we at first we, we talked about this before. We doubted him a little coming out of college, but then I started feeling it, feeling it a little bit more than you did. For and sure. And man, this guy he, he had came 74 out seventy four touches, I think. Yeah. In college, it was well, it wasn't came a lot. Out right away and showed what all the hype yeah. was about, and he hasn't disappointed since. But playing for them, it's just it's, it's you go there for your career to be ruined. And the, the other guys, Brian Robinson, rookie, uh, and McKissick, they're just late round guys, flyers, handcuffs. If I take Gibson, you better believe I'm targeting Robinson. McKissick starts in my league on many weeks because again, it's which is fine teams, right? Um, and PPR and, and for sure, half point PPR, and you know he's That's gonna fine. he's gonna be in the game. He's gonna. He's going to get you some points. He, he doesn't have a super high ceiling, but he also doesn't have a, have a super low floor. He's going to get you something in, in one of those flex positions. And that's what you're looking for. And, I mean, there's countless guys like, um, like James White, who yeah. that's their only role is that pass-catching third-down deal. And it pays off. It has for, yeah. it has for White. It pays off for McKissick. I mean, last year he was RB7 one week. He was RB14, RB13, RB15, RB6. He's going as RB47 at 133. So we're talking uh, beginning of the 12th round here. I would gladly take him in the 11th round. As your what? Running back four or five? Something along there. I'm just saying that's bang for the buck. Yeah, I mean, that's wow. Because he's a yeah. guy you can plug in as a starter any freaking given week. 
Yes. So uh, I wonder why he gets such little love. I know, but I tell you, the Brian Robinson thing, if I take Gibson and I got Robinson, the reason I'm doing that is because now I don't have to think of, like that player's playing for me every week. Right. So right. I have the the commanders running back. Yeah, because McDonald's not, not he, taking the he's just right. strictly third down. Right. And you can't do that with every team. But Robinson's that's a team where I think, Okay, right. So I start Get Gibson. him wherever you want. I start Gibson, I bench Robinson. If Gibson gets hurt, then I just plug in Robinson yep. and we roll with it. Yep. Right. So that's again, not every team, but that's one team you can do that for. Absolutely. All right. Move on to a guy that we love that's been a letdown. That's CeeDee Lamb. Last year's wide receiver 19. But ready to get your bell rung. He's my wide receiver four right now. I have him above Devontae Adams. I have him above Jamar Chase. Everyone's been waiting for CD to have that breakout. A lot of us thought it was last year. You and I included. Yeah. We were wrong. But what everyone wants for Nick Chubb or Tony Pollard, it's it's happened for Lamb. The guy in front of them is gone. Lamb has the stage. Lamb is in the limelight. Uh, Mark Cooper got traded. It is the C.D. Lamb show. He ha- he already had more targets and catches than Cooper last year. And I think I've, I've heard a couple times in the last day or two, with all these injuries, C.D. Lamb's the only healthy wide receiver Dallas has that has a, a career touchdown catch. And no, one, no other wide receiver on their team has a touchdown catch in the NFL. It's just Lamb. He was 12th in yards per outrun last year. He was only a wide receiver one three times. He was a wide receiver three or worse nine times last yeah, year. There are games he just wouldn't even throw to him. It was weird. This is – now, you know how I I do – I'm a stats guy, and then I mix in a little bit of narrative, and then I come up with my projections, right? This is maybe the only player in the league where I'm sort of straying away from the numbers. I'm trusting his talent, his opportunity, and my gut. And I'll be honest, it's a little bit scary. This is my – I am more afraid of him and, and me having him as my wide receiver for than any other spot. I just know he has the talent, and now he has the opportunity. Um, this is it, man. It, and it, this is just like Barkley. If, if it doesn't happen this year, Lamb, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm over you. He's going to number six receiver, 16th overall. Would you take him that early? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, four. I'm taking him right after Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver three. Okay. Yeah, because they have Debo after him, Tyreek after him. Which is him. wild. I cannot believe – Tyreek I don't care about. I can't believe you have Debo. Most people behind – I can't believe they have Debo behind him. Me, yeah, I'm a little nuts. I love Lamb. He's got all the talent in the world, again, underutilized. And when he was utilized, it was just just give-up type plays. Not, nothing mm-hmm. that he could turn in anything spectacular. Um, it, it was just odd. It was just odd. So uh, he's the man now. So put up or shut up. So this is going to be now. And I like I like Tolbert. He's what six one ish, six one one ninety five, four four nine forty time. But he was yeah, good in college. He looked good. Yeah. I, I liked him. Uh, I liked watching this film. He was he was all right. 
We'll see how it goes with that. But uh, other than that, Dalton Schultz, somebody's going to end up taking him higher, giving him more money than he deserves. But uh, dude, he's been he was tight end three two years in a row. Yeah, and just he he last year he was second at targets and second at catches on the team. Again, he he's the he's the beneficiary of a great offense as much yes. as it is that he's a great tight end. But here's the deal, Schultz, and the reason I'm willing to go probably – I mean, he's my – was he my tight end? I don't know, maybe four. I he was both of our six. I thought he was – Well, my I adjust my rankings all the time. I'll look it up now. But he was a tight end one 11 weeks last year. 11 weeks he, he was a tight end one. That's consistency that I am all about. You're, yep, he is, my, he is my tight end six. I might flip him with Waller, though. He might end up my, my tight end five by the time this is all said and done. Gotcha. Yeah, I, mean, I just love that consistency. He's a beneficiary of a lot of yeah, a lot of good things just because that offense is so good. Yeah. Um, then we go on to the Giants receivers. Silliness. Well, uh, it's a it's a conglomerate. Okay, I'm going to put all four of these guys together: Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson. Galladay had a horrible year last year. Tony couldn't stay healthy. Neither could Shepard. And Wandale is an undersized but explosive rookie. Who dominated college? If you just want to have a little bit of fun watching football, put on Wandale Robinson's um, college tape because it is, it's a it's a treat to watch. KG Galladay had thirty seven catches in fourteen games. That's not even three catches a game. That's terrible. Yeah, he's two years removed from injury now, so that's a good thing. Kadarius Tony did have that Dallas game that. Everybody and their mother talks about 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards against Dallas. He was number one in juke rate, 17th in yards per route run, 7th in target rate. So he was not on the field much. But when he was, they went to him, and when he got it, he did good things with it. Stanley Shepard was hurt basically all year. Shepard, this was shocking to me. He played three games where he had 90% of the snaps. He had nine targets, 10 targets, and 14 targets in those games. Yeah. I'd like that. If he could just be on the field, they go to him. Um, look, the, if you want a Giants receiver, you can have him. You can have your pick of the litter because Tony's going at 47, wide receiver 47. KG's at 57. Wandale and Shepard are going in the 90s. So you have any of these guys you want. It doesn't matter. It, this is basically, even though this is a snake, so the, the one allure of an auction draft, which you do, is that anybody can have any player. Yep. Because Absolutely. here we go. Here, these, these are auction draft players in a snake draft because they're all of them are going so late. You can have whoever you want. Yeah. And, and then Slayton, he has a really good two years ago. He fell apart. They Heard traded his name. for Colin Johnson. And that's our guy. Yeah. And he had he had these couple really strong games at the end of the year two years ago at Jacksonville. They ship him out. He goes here. They don't even play. We had eleven catches last year. They, they, underperformers again. It's highest paid in the league. Five touchdowns. I'll gamble on Tony as my wide receiver four or five. He can stay Maybe on the KG, field. Doesn't act like but, a, a diva. Yeah. So we'll see. And then their tight end, the only one that's doing anything is Daniel Bellinger. He's a, a rookie. He's got good hands. But rookie tight ends historically don't do well. Well, Seals Jones is their, I guess, official starter right now, isn't he? I don't know. Maybe. They don't know. Yeah, they're, I don't want any of them. They're I'm a little just, banged up. 
Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, you're not dropping any of those guys. It's just trash. Uh, AJ Brown, Eagles, their pass catchers. He is wide receiver. He was wide receiver 26 in points per game. Not great. In 2020, though, he's wide receiver 11 and wide receiver five in points per game in 2020. His biggest issue, along with these other guys, been his health. He's only played a full season once as a rookie. Last year, he was seventh in yards per route run and seventh in fantasy points per route run. So that's solid. That looks good. Uh, Very efficient player. He was 15th. This is my favorite part. And the last thing I'm going to say about him, he was 15th in route win rate, but he was fourth in route win rate versus man. And that's important because if teams want to stack the box due to the Eagles propensity to run, dude, A.J. Brown could have some big plays, which is why he had big plays in Tennessee. They're stacking the box for Derrick Henry. They're going to stack the box in Philly. And, dude, he's going to smoke DBs. As far as wide receivers in the league, he is my second favorite to have the ball in his hands. Like when they throw it to him, I'm like, oh, man, he might score. Number one for me is Debo because Debo is the one that definitely any time he's near the ball, he might just take it from one of his teammates and go score. (laughs) But and AJ is my second, though. He can outrun you. He can bowl you over. He can catch between three of you, make you all look like fools. He's the man, but again, gotta stay on the field. I know that's it. And how is yeah. he gonna really be used? I know we all read the thing today about right now the offense is running through yeah. him at practice. Well, practice and games aren't the same thing, people. So we we wanna see him get used, but uh you know, what what are they gonna do? Well, he's going to get now, twenty eighth overall. Yeah, and I have him, I think he's tenth, ninth or tenth for me. Yeah, it's like mid mid third round. Uh, and his running mate, Devonta Smith, well, he was wide receiver 30 last year. He's currently going as wide receiver 36. So that means folks think his 64 catches for 916 and five touchdowns are going to drop. I'm not sure that it will. He's He was the only wide receiver on a team last year that other teams had to scheme for because the Eagles had right. no other wide receivers anyone cared about. That's not going to happen with A.J. Brown in town. He's going to be much more open. One thing he was lauded for coming out of college was his route running. Devonta Smith was, but he was six in average depth of target. So he's getting down the field as well. 15th in yards per route run. The only issue I have with drafting him is that he's going in the mid seventh. And normally by them, I'm on my, you know, wide receiver three-ish kind of spot. Yeah. And I'm looking for a guy with a really high ceiling. And it's just, he doesn't have one. He's the second wide receiver on a team that runs the ball a lot. So he doesn't end up on very many of my teams, not on my mocks, nothing like that, simply because when he's going, I'm looking for upside, and I just see him as sort of a as a floor guy rather than a ceiling. I think his biggest upside, though, and things have changed the way he no longer has to be the number one receiver. I mean, he's going to get right. a lot of looks now that he didn't that he didn't get last year. Um, he had some good plays. I mean, he looked he looked really really strong at times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about him. I mean, he's, he's, he's a guy that if he's at the right spot, I'll take him. He's certainly not a guy I'm targeting. Sure. I think maybe I'm barely higher on it than, than you are, but not significantly. Like, I think he's going to be this this guy that's going to win fantasy championships like Jalen Rager does. Yeah. I just like mentioning well, his name. I know. That's fine. Uh, are you targeting Dallas Goddard? <laughs> 
He was tight end last year. He's a current currently going as the tight end eight. Yeah. Um, he was second behind Smith in just about every receiving category for Philly. He was he dude. He is one of the most efficient tight ends in the game. Yeah, he's good. He was he was fifth in target share among tight ends. Fifth in yards after the catch. Second in yards per catch. First in yards per target. First in yards per route run. Second in target separation. So he's he's got a little wiggle in, right? He can get open. Um, so for me, you got yourself a tight end who's super efficient. When he runs routes, the quarterback is looking for him and throws it to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, if and AJ Brown might even open up the seam some for him, and if that happens, Goddard could smash his career best of five receiving touchdowns. Right. Well, we talked earlier about know your league mates. Somebody mm-hmm. in my league will spend about double or triple on him what I would spend on him. So have fun. He's all yours for 24 bucks. Sure. Well, just, just, I can't. Nothing I can't, you do there. I can't do that. Yeah. Well, someone's going to draft him in the fourth or fifth round of a redraft. Yeah. Same deal. Or I'm not taking him there. This is wild. I, I, so I came up with this stat while I was looking. The tight end position last year is so close. And we talked about, you know, tight end five to tight end like 13 or something. It was only separated by, you know, 20 points or whatever. <laughs> Goddard was tight end 10 last year. If you would have added in half point PPR, if you would have added a three yard touchdown catch to Goddard stats, he'd have been tight end five. Yeah. That's, so so again, that's again why I can't spend that much money on him because. I think it's this other guy who gets one lucky touchdown and just jumped him by seven positions. But I got this guy for $5. One three-yard touchdown catch would have made him from tight end 10 to tight end five. That is ludicrous. It is. That's that's exactly what we're saying. Like, I I can't go get him early in in a snake. I can't spend all this money on him in an auction because why? Why? I hear you. All right, last team, commanders, pass catchers. This should be quick because none of them are good. And I thought McLaurin was good, and then I looked at the numbers, and he's not good. He was wide receiver 26 last year, wide receiver 21 in 2020, and wide receiver 26 again in 2019. Now, Wentz's strengths, look, he's throwing a ball down the field. It should help McLaurin. Um, But, dude, his ADP is 15, and I am not doing that for Mr. Terry McLaurin. He was fourth in air yards and second in deep targets, but he was 31st in yards of catch. This poor guy is sprinting down the field. Quarterback is thrown in the ball, missing him, and then getting he's getting like a screen a screen pass. Yeah. Like that's those are the passes he's catching. There's no way you can be fourth in air yards but 31st in yards of catch. That those numbers don't make sense to me. But again, Wentz should be able to help that However, McLaurin was 90th in target separation and 44th in route win rate. He's not, he's not, he's not, you know, holding his end of the bargain either here. And people talk about my boy, Mike Williams. We got Hertz, we got Williams, same episode as being hit or miss. McLaurin had weeks of wide receiver three, four, five, and nine. Awesome. Scary Terry tearing it up. He also had weeks where he was wide receiver 57, 50, 60, 61, 57, 100, 50. He had eight games, more than half, about half the season, where he was wide receiver 50 or yep. worse. 
So name one decent wide name since he's been in the league. One even mediocre receiver that he's had on the field with him since he's come in the league. Even one. Right. Right. Meanwhile, Mike Williams has had Keenan Allen his entire career. Sure. Now he has Jahan Dotson. So, but that, that that's I mean, the guys played a grand total of zero NFL down. So he's good though. They took him 16th overall, and there's a stat might. somewhere where well, Jalen Rager, receivers... I think, went 18th overall. Okay, first off, he was 22nd. Sorry, 22nd overall. My apologies, Ish. there. Maybe it's 23rd. It was up there. Oh, yeah, 18's his number, right? Isn't he number 18? I don't know. Should be he should be number double zero on somebody else's team. <laughs> Here's the deal. <laughs> the- <laughs> he's so bad that he shouldn't have a number. He's got to be Correct. double zero. Just no, just blank. It's but just... seriously, you have to throw that in because you're talking about numbers in a freaking vacuum. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just yes. saying this because the Mike Williams thing, but those are two really, really different situations. I and would love to see left. if we flip flopped them. What McLaurin could be could do with Herbert throwing him to him aside alongside. Eckler and 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 Keenan Allen and all these other weapons they have. You know, the, it, it the route different. win rate bothers me. Well, I think part of the problem too is he's double, triple covered on every freaking play. That and, doesn't help. I mean, he's he's their offense. Him and Gibson are their offense. But I, I, and, I'm with you. I don't know if I want to get him that high either. But I mean, some of these players on the skins, sorry, the commanders, the team, whatever they are now, um. Man, what could they do on a real team? <laughs> so, so I will say Mike Williams was number five in total route wins, and yeah. he was he he was third in uh, routes versus man. Yeah, yeah, the dude can play. But um, I, like I said, I just I'd like to see what some of these guys could do if they didn't if they weren't the only playmaker on the field. I do think Dotson will help. I don't know that it's going to help enough for me to take him in the top 15 picks. Yeah, well, I like mean, they brought not, in Samuel I mean, last year. They brought in Samuel last year to what he played one game, two games, did nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see how Dotson's going to make them worse. I just don't like anointing these guys coming up that have not played a single down in the NFL yet. And I, I feel you there, but I, I love Dotson as a late round dart throw, wide receiver five. Oh, yeah. Especially my all, league where I can sign him for five long. years. Yeah. For sure, oh, hell all, yeah, all day. But yeah. he's going to go because there's too many homers in the world, and he he's going to go higher than what he probably should as far as uh, his his auction bid. Um, and so I, I I I would be very surprised if I had really any real shot at getting him. Lastly, would be Logan Thomas, a tight end. Uh, he is so talented. I mean, yeah. he was Beast. tight end ten. And, Love him. Yes, yes. T- yeah, for sure. Tight end and point. Uh, tight end ten in points per game last year. He was tight end six. The year before, yep, he's just got to stay on the field, man. There's so many guys; they just got to stay on yep. the field. And Wentz, Wentz loves his tight ends. He made Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard viable. And if you remember, Zach Ertz had over a hundred targets, the tight end, four times with Wentz. Yeah, and in 2018, Ertz had 156 targets, which I think. His targets and catches were the most ever by a tight end in a season at that point. Mm, I think I you're think, right. I think that's accurate. Yeah, I, I remember even mentioned on our, our tight end episode two months ago that I wanted to give honorable mention to Mr. Logan Thomas because I yeah. really feel talent-wise, he's a top five tight end in the league. I really do feel that. But if you're not on the field, doesn't much matter. 
That's right. And that'll do it. NFC East, unless you got something to add, sir. I don't really. This is going to be an interesting division to, to watch, as it usually NFC. is. Um, right. It's super interesting to you because your favorite team and most hated entity on earth are, are both in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think it should, it should be fun to watch. All right, sir. Everyone out there, thank you all so much for listening. Um, our teams are by Flatline. Please check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And it's at G-Y-B-R underscore podcast. At G-Y-B-R underscore podcast. Uh, hit the like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Again, thank you so much for your time. We will catch you in a week. See ya. Out.